Hey, everybody. Welcome to Halloween Spectacular Spooktacular 5 on the Amigos Everything Amiga podcast. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And I am Initial P.A.D. And today, fellas, we are going to be talking about the vampiriest, bloodiest, nettiest game of all time. We're going to be talking about Bloodnet. Now, Aaron, did you ever combine your love with hacking uh, with your your uh, unholy desire for, for human flesh? It's funny you should mention that, boat, because that's why I got into hacking, uh, was to, uh, you know, to uh, get an inroad into gathering and consumption of human flesh. I've heard it that didn't before. pan out, uh, but I did get some sweet games and some music, yo. So I'll take it as a win, you know. And also, I found mm. out that I like pancakes, fudge, stuff like that. So I kind of kicked the human consumption to the back end. Now, if you know, you've you've recently told us the tale of your hacking exploits. I guess this is only somewhat tangentially related to hacking. But when you went dumpster diving at the old AT and T store. Um, now, when you combine that with your LARPing of Vampire the Masquerade at the, at the, at the gathering, um, those things, were any of the same people involved in both those activities? Absolutely, both. Uh, yeah. I think LARPing and, and petty larceny go hand in hand in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, because when yeah. you put on the vampire attire, uh, you, you feel like that you can, uh, you're above man's laws. You know what I'm saying? I sort of feel like that all the time, to be honest with you. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. So absolutely, some of the people that wore the vampire getups also was involved in the dumpster diving. You've never barked before, have it. you, Boat? Never, never. I hope to. You should one have day. at least it's dressed up the captain during Brent's uh, Cthulhu games. That would have worked out great because you and the captain had a lot in common. Because at, at the t- while we were playing, you were consuming rum just like the captain would. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Aaron, why don't we jump in to what's been going on in the Amiga scene this week, specifically our Amigos Retro Gaming uh, channel. All right, let's all do over it. On let's YouTube. do it, Boatster and Brantster. Um, so what do we got here? Well, we've had an interesting week. Uh, let's start back with uh, last week's ARG Presents. Uh, myself and the Brent involved in another wacky week. This time on your favorite boat, we picked this specifically to please you. And this was uh, our Xbox uh, re- looking. We looked at an- another round of Xbox games, spooky Halloween Xbox games boat. And, yes. Uh, um, you can see there, this week I was out. And so thank God to fill in for me was the all-powerful, almighty, uh, unholy Cthulhu. And then we also had the comic book guy from The Simpsons was here. As we the comic book guy is has aged slightly since the last I saw him. The comic book guy <laughs> The is, series has been on for a while. Yeah, That's he, true. <laughs> he he's had a rough life to be to be completely honest with you. Uh, and he uh but he and his complexion is is off putting. Let's just put it that way. But we looked at uh Call Cthulhu, uh uh Dark uh, Dark Corners of the Earth and we also looked at The Simpsons Hit and Run. Now, Brick, can you explain to us how you made the connection between Halloween and that? Absolutely. The last uh, episode of the Simpsons Hit and Run video game, the entire town of Springfield is zombies and ghosts and horrors. 
and it is incredibly scary compared to the rest now, of the I'm game. I'm glad you're here, Boat. I want a judgment call. Is that even close to enough to qualify the Simpsons hit and run as a Halloween game? Well, here's the thing. You know, you're you're covering the Xbox, so you're already, you know, you've already got several points knocked against you. I think that if you were trying to find another Halloween-based game besides the Cthulhu game, there probably weren't any. So Brent was just trying to do the best he could with what with what the wheel chose. Typical. Also, I really like Simpsons. Hit typical and run. partisan approach. Like a like a ton. I will. I can announce <laughs> happily that believe it or not, this was not our least viewed or listened to episode. So huzzah! Yes, we made it. I call that a win, boat. So black and white games. Here <laughs> we right. come. Let's talk about. Our good buddy, our bosom companion, Jack freaking Flack, a.k.a. Rob O'Hara, mm. who has put out a game this week, and I believe, I know I've played this game. I don't remember if I played this on a show or just played it for fun, but it's Friday the 13th, the computer game, uh, y'all. Uh, scary stuff. Now, now, you've played the NES version of Friday the 13th, haven't you? I have indeed. This is not related to that, right? I I've not played the NES version, but I I remember seeing screenshots. This is a completely different game, isn't it? Uh, yeah, to my understanding, because in the uh, the NES game you fight Jason, right? Right, and you're, right. You're he just sort of shows up. Counselors. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this is this is kind of a neat uh, take on things. This is um, it looks like this is almost it's drawn like a King's Quest game almost uh, where you have these full 3D environments where you can move you know vertically as well as horizontally and you're exploring different scenes. I haven't had a chance to watch this, but this is on my docket for later today. I'm going to check this out. Yeah, and Friday, I, I think as far as uh, horror games, you know, Brad, do you remember when we did the Evil Dead game? Uh, uh, Absolutely, it looks this a looks whole, a lot better, a little bit like <laughs> this that. looks a lot better than. Oh, well, yeah, it doesn't take Although much. Evil Dead, better and film. And funny thing, since we're talking about Friday the 13th games, did you know there's a phone Java game uh, where you pl- actually get to play as Jason? There was a uh, a modern Friday the, Friday the 13th is the series that just keeps on going. I'm sure that it's been decades since the last Jason film, but there was a, I think it was for the PS4, a Friday the 13th game that was actually very well received. It was a multiplayer affair. One player was Jason and the rest were the camp counselors or whatever. Um, I did get a chance to play it, but I heard it was pretty good. Well, that's uh, also Dead by Daylight kind of goes by that same uh, kind of concept mm. where one person plays the killer and then there's four people trying to avoid being killed yeah. uh, while they yeah. do their tasks. So it's kind of in the same vein. There you go. I, I, I'm not the biggest Friday 13th fan, but that looked pretty interesting. Uh, Boat, Bo, you've done it again, uh, my friend. Go, take us uh, into this interview that you uh, that you uh, laid out, even while on the sick bed. You went to work, sir. What'd you do? Yeah, well, you know, a couple days ago I was feeling okay, and uh, I was just hanging out in my quarantine zone here in, in Amigo Studios, and uh, I just started thinking, as one does, about Amiga Bill, about his his glorious visage, and I was like, you know what, we just talked about on um, This Week in Retro about his new documentary called Arcade Dreams that he's trying to kickstart, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to see if he wants to talk, and so I just I shot him a message, I was like, hey Bill, you know, you want to do an interview about Arcade Dreams, and he's like, yeah man, and I sat down with him, and we went all over the place, I mean, we started talking about arcade dreams but then we got into cameras and setting up lighting and i talked to him specifically about the challenges in filming arcade and pinball machines 
means, you know, what kind of, um, you know, specific things that you need to do. And so if anybody is interested in the filmmaking side of a documentary that's focused on, you know, electronic games, uh, check this one out. It's, it's pretty good. There you go. Very good. But I, you can't go wrong with Bill. That guy's, he's a no. walking sound bite. He knows exactly what he's up to, doesn't he? He does. So, let's move along here and talk about this week's incredible Amiga news. All right, Aaron. We're going to kick things off this week with the newest. Actually, this is not the newest episode of the Retro Hour. There's been one since then, but this is this is one of the latest ones. This is episode 243. Dan and Ravi talk up to Chris Blythe, who is the visual effects director uh, at Team 17 when they were putting out titles like Worms, Alien Breed. And so if you know anything about Worms, you know, the, the sound design in those games was always very amusing. You always had the different sounds of the weapons as they would fire, you know, the twang of the ninja rope and all that stuff. And, of course, a big part of the fun of Worms was downloading all those special uh, those special voice packs with Monty Python and all that stuff, too. But uh, anyway, if you are interested in getting some inside scoops on what it was like to work in the audio department at Team 17 back in the day, make sure you check out uh, that week's edition of the Retro Hour. The newest edition of the Retro Hour has been released, and that I should probably plug, too, because that features... Um, Classic RP and Adventures with Matt Barton, who's a uh, host of Matt Chat on YouTube. He's been but forever. Me and Neil are also on this edition of the Retro Hour, where we talk a little bit about our show this week in retro. So if you want to hear uh, Ravi ask us some questions about our endeavor, feel free to check that out as well. Lots of stuff going on over at the Retro Hour Very this good. week. We love those guys, too. They've always been real nice to us. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now... We also have uh, coming out this week, it, it, it went down last week on October 24th, but uh, it has been archived and put up on YouTube, Amy West 2020. Hey. <laughs> it continued us. on. That's right. You know, a couple uh, weeks ago, actually it's probably been a couple months ago now, Bill Basari sent me a message saying, hey, could you record a little, um, you know, a little bit for oh, uh, Amy West just kind of talking I about the show. I forgot about that. So, uh, you know, all I did was just turn on the turn on the camera, let you go to work, Aaron, and you just laid down a perfect sound bite. We look so like idiots. You can check Amy that West out. Is what you're saying? Complete idiots. <laughs> is that what we talked about, uh, Sacktown? That's yeah, I'm right. Yeah, sure did you uh, uh, put down the West Coast in tremendous fashion, Aaron? <laughs> I begged boat. I said, please don't send that boat. Please, for love, love all that's holy. <laughs> And so, boat being boat, you sit that sucker, didn't you, boat? Well, I couldn't <laughs> help it because you open things up by calling it sack town, then you insinuate that everybody. No, I had to go with that. No, I had to go no, with that. You said that. <laughs> to be fair, I'm pretty sure, John, you insinuated they were all drug users. Aaron just insinuated that they're all idiots. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> you might be right. You might. You be can't right deny about the that. fact that sack town sound is a disturbing name of any town. That's all I'm saying. But you called oh, well, them we that. That was not meant for distribution, <laughs> Boat. You complete bum. <laughs> now, this video is split up into two parts. You've got part one and part two. Uh, and there are, um, in part one, it's basically just an introduction and some product announcement. Part two, uh, Doug from 10-Minute Amiga Retrocast holds a roundtable with several Amiga luminaries from the community, uh, including us, as well as the Pints and Amiga guys, Eric Nelson from Pixel Gaming is on Eric there. Eric and Cody um, and Sanction so, were all on there. You missed some of them after you left. Oh, yeah. right, right. 
Yeah, I missed some of that, but uh, but definitely check that out. It's a real nice talk, really extended session. I think that they went like ten hours on this on yeah. this live stream. So uh, this is definitely good, easy weekend. If Doug's listening. involved. You can be sure it's not. It's going to go for at least three hours. And, and, and I will say, yeah. uh, 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 it was a good time. I had a good time. It was neat to see all the people you hear about. You know, uh, those dudes from Texas, the pints and what are pints and pixels, or the Pints yeah, Pints Amiga. Amiga, those guys are, are off the chart. I mean, their technical prowess. Once again, I, I strained my ears in a vain attempt to understand, Boat. It didn't, it didn't go well. <laughs> now, Aaron, our next, we've got two other. These are not necessarily news items, but these are recently penned articles about the Amiga. This first one comes to us from RetroHacks.net, and this is all about the Phoenix Motherboard. Now, Aaron, do you know anything about the Phoenix motherboard? Brent, do you know anything about the Phoenix motherboard? It's named after a bird. Yes. Well, I think that that's definitely true. <laughs> um, this thing is a uh, Amiga 1000 uh, additional board here that uh, I believe you connect to the original board with some jumpers, and it gives your Amiga 1000 special powers. Not unlike the Rejuvenator board, which I think is still yeah. under development. This is a log of this of one man's adventure trying to get this thing to work. And after reading through this thing, this is just another example of why I never mess with anything under the hood with Amigas. For years and years and years. Um, he, he's testing things. He's getting things out. He's, uh, he's replacing resistors. you got to really be hardcore to use this, this Phoenix board. I guess it's in addition, it's it's very very rare. So he was also just consistently worried about breaking it as well. So that's a that's a one two punch for me. I'm out. But if you are interested in sort of living vicariously through this experience, uh, definitely check this this link out. And the final story this week comes to us from Byte Seller, and this is uh, just a uh, you know personal interest story. Looking back on 35 years as an Amiga user, wow. so you know it's. It's it's always it's always a good time to go back and read something that's really well written. This guy obviously a professional author, and he's written his thoughts about using the, the Amiga. This guy actually was living where I used to live in um, in Virginia. He lives in where well, at the time he lived in Newport News. A lot of the locations that he was talking about, um, and uh, it's just a, a really neat story. It reminds me a lot of one of Flack stories because he talked talks a lot about the computer store that he bought it from and all that stuff. Uh, I really, really enjoyed hearing from him because you don't get a lot of stories from people that jumped in right at the very, very beginning, you know, right at the beginning of 85. Most of the time, people jumped into the Amiga when it was the Amiga 500 after it had some time to get some, get some momentum behind it. And he talks about the shortage of games from the beginning and how he constantly was struggling on whether he made the right decision or not. Um, it's a very, very well-done article. I highly suggest Let's say he's got a little video it with it, too, Boat. So that might be a good mm. watch. Good, very yeah. good, Boat. Pretty good news this week. You know, uh, uh, getting back to Amy West, uh, I, I, I think the virtual elements of that did real well uh, this week. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would call that a, a big success, uh, Boat. Uh, the, uh, the people over there worked hard. They actually had, they had a, a physical, they actually had a physical... Uh, um, you know, con. They, I don't think they had huge attendance, but I mean, as one would expect, given the situation. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, uh, you know, yeah, 
it was kind of neat seeing the 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 in the hall you know group of uh, uh, uh you know as everything else was going on they had some um some shilling about so it was good it was good and they you talk about experts i mentioned this earlier with the uh pints and amigas guys but there were so many like mega brilliant genius types uh in our little round table discussion i just kind of uh took it all in and hoped they didn't ask me anything uh just like when you were in in college and the professors uh, going around the room asking questions i just prayed that they weren't going to get to me because i would just be like duh <laughs> but it was it was there were quite a bit of genius types there so if that's your bag check out all the uh, amy west coverage it was good stuff i i, I enjoyed it yeah man uh, fellas. So, with all that out of the way, Boat, what do you think? Should we go ahead and get into our game of the week? Let's jump right into it, Aaron. Let's sink our fangs into it. You know, it. this is a this is a game that uh, myself and the Brent uh, are a little more intimate with, uh, just because we actually looked at this uh, uh, not too long ago on ARG for the PC. Back in yeah, July. And- I'm glad we did. It actually helped a lot uh, because uh, it, it, uh, I, I remembered plenty. Of course, I had played this game back in the day, and I got to see the differences between the Amiga version and the PC version, Which, and I'll be honest with you, there, there's really only one major difference, uh, which was the, uh, the lack of, a, uh, of audio speech on the Amiga version. And uh, the audio speech on the PC version is not what I would call it, 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 uh, awesome, if you know what I mean. It's just like you would expect. Now, when you guys played this, when you played this on ARG, what was the wheel piece that spun? Was it just PC games? Well, well it was, uh, I'm trying to think, what was that, Brent? No, because we, we played this on, on different systems. Um, it may have been, wow, it may have been I, I adventure can tell you games, the wheel I can't remember. Uh, I can't remember why it came up, but too many episodes. You know how that is. Uh, <clears throat> so let's yeah, talk. Yeah. Oh, it was it was my, it was my that's it. Games. That's it. And I wanted yeah. to choose something really bizarre. So I, I, there you go. So <clears throat> let's talk about the old Bloodnet, uh, released in '95. Uh, so a pretty late release. This bad boy. You know, you would think this would have been a prime candidate for the CD32, but uh, this got released on disc. Twelve. Count them, 12 floppy disks, fellas. So you've got plenty of floppy action here. Uh, this was published uh, on the uh, uh, by, you had your Game Tech Worldwide and Microprose, uh, and developed by, on the Amiga by an outfit called Catfish. As far as I can tell, they'd only done one other Amiga game, which was Mutant League Hockey, which we've heard about, but I've never actually played. I remember that, that came up when we were doing Mutant League Football, I believe, Boat, uh, that, that hockey game. Mm. Um, again, this was a port of the DOS game, which had came out a couple years earlier in 93, and both Bloodnet required AGA, my friend. So, so that no getting uh, around it. I will say... There's no possible way, I mean, the way that this couldn't have been handled by an ECS-OCS machine. There's nothing in this game only, that looks Only AGA could handle a game of this caliber, Boat. Um... This game did have. This was one of the games that allowed a hard drive installation. So another reason that that's probably got, coincides with the AGA because they assumed since you were had to have AGA that you probably had a hard drive in your advanced Amiga system, which is probably a good a good jump. Yeah, that's a good assumption to make. Can you imagine point. playing this game and swapping twelve discs in I and can't. out? 
No, I can't because I've played some games on the Amiga that were there's all those and it is a pain in the butt. I will say normally I'll go through and play a game with the GoTech just to experience it, but I didn't want to tackle twelve discs of of uh, game uh, action here. I, I didn't feel like going down that road. Uh, by the way, this game's still around if you want to play it. It's on Steam and good old games if you want to give it a shot. Uh, so <clears throat> let's talk about the premise of Bloodnet because I will say. This ha- this game has one of my all-time favorite stupid, stupid openings. Okay? If you'll indulge me, gentlemen. Uh, the game starts out... Uh, you play a uh, basically like a, a, a hacker for hire named Ransom Stark who uh, is basically a ne'er-do-well Han Solo type. And he starts out in this bar, right? And so he's approached by this woman. Now, this, here's what I love about this opening scene. So... This chick shows up in full Dracula cape, and she saunters across <laughs> the bar to Ransom Stark to hire him. And and so he doesn't say anything about this cape at all. She's in full she's in full cape. So he takes the job. He does the job. It's a real simple job. And he comes back and he and, and she want. Here's the best part. She goes, "Listen, when you finish this job, Ransom, meet me at my 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 pad." He goes, where's that at? She goes, it's 666-something lane. So here's a chick in a full cape, and she lives at 666-something lane. But Ransom Stark, the master hacker, is not getting the picture here. <laughs> he doesn't see anything wrong with this. So he gets, gets his car. He finishes his job. He goes to 666. He goes in there, and she comes up. She's still got the cape on. And then her dad shows up in full vampire cape and attire, <laughs> the full outfit. Ransom still isn't worried. No problem, you know. And he's like, "Oh yeah, my name is something or other, Van Helsing," you know. Now, granted, in the in the in, in lore, Van Helsing killed the vampires, but this guy's name—it's a vampiric name. No red lights, no red flags. So, of course, what happens next is uh, Abe Van Helsing bites Ransom Stark and tries to turn him into one of his minions. Uh, this is the opening uh, of this game. Now, the the best part of all this is as stupid as all that is. Ransom gets bitten. There's a pretty amusing transformation scene where Ransom is suddenly is turning into a vampire, and uh, but he, so when Abraham Van Helsing says, "Nope, you're now you're one of my minions, geek," you know, your guy turns around and punches out the vampire, punch one shot. Yeah, he does. No. Buzz Aldrin, style. and then struts out of there. <laughs> yeah, Buzz. Oh no, except there was somebody. I mean, this is—he knocks out a, this all-powerful weapon. He runs off, and so what you find out is, uh, um, Ransom has a neural interface port in his neck, where a lady saved his life uh, with this port, and he uh, this neural link in his head prevented uh, the vampirism from fully taking hold. Okay, and so what you're basically doing in this game is twofold. You're one, you're trying to prevent yourself from becoming a vampire fully, and secondly, you're trying to uh, go find your friend because the vampires took her, right? And she's the one that saved your saved your bacon. There's your that's the opening of this game, and then you go into the character creation. Now I don't want to sit here and ramble on. What did you two fellas think about the how this game unfolded? Well, the intro for this thing is forever. It's like a 15-minute opening, which actually sets the tone for the entire rest of the game. 
this game is in a hurry to do nothing. So it has a lot of story. Uh, on the Amiga, since you you can't uh, have the voice acting, which I greatly, greatly uh, enjoyed, you have to just read everything. And if you're a slow reader like me, it's like 20, 25 minutes of opening. Not good. I, I like a good opening of my game, but this was insane. Uh, the story itself, I, I actually completely dig. I'm I'm on board with the mesh up between uh, cyber and vampiric natures. I, I think it's it's a fun mesh, and I think they, especially in the opening, they used it well. Uh, having the cyber the cyber parts in your brain stopping the vampiric transformation i can totally buy that uh it's just having to read us was a, a, a too much too much to read yeah because you me. played the audio version it, last time right yeah i noticed that the text went away quickly as well yeah it's it's clear that the um the author of this game had has been thinking about this story for years and years and years. I mean, this is a fully fleshed out. This is the opposite of what we get in so many video games where it's clear it was made up the day of the pitch to the publisher. Yes. Uh, this, this was something that this guy, he, he's read all the William Gibson novels, you know, he's read all the Anne Rice novels and he's ready to combine them both. And, um, and I, I can appreciate that. Uh, the, I think you're dead on, Brent, that the, the opening is way too long. I don't have a problem with having a lot of text in a game, but you can't front load it like that because when you do, your player is just going to check out. It's um, a whole lot of expedition, exposition right off the bat. Right, right. Um, what I would have done is just split it up. You can have the same amount of text, but put some action sequences in between it. Um, it's actually, you know, the action sequences themselves are also somewhat lacking in the beginning of the game. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, but I don't know if putting an action sequence in here would have actually upped the action. Uh, it's The combat in this game is very... It, it's It's not XCOM, no. right? But it goes off that sort of thing where you mm -hmm. tell your people what you want them to do and you, line, you put their equipment on and you line up their shots and you tell them what... And then you just hit go. And right. you, you just kind of watch everything unfold. Which I again I'm okay with, uh, but you mindset to play this game. You yeah. have to be you if you're wanting quick action, that that's nowhere to be found. If you want a slow story where you are learning tons of lore and you are uh, you know piecing everything together, inventory management in this thing is huge because you have to take care of all of your other characters. If you want to spend hours and hours and hours and sometimes i'm in that mood right sometimes that kind of uh uh drawn out detail oriented things really get to me i really enjoy it and other times it just is slow and makes me want to jump off a cliff so the, part of the complexity of this game is not only are you managing your inventory and your bag you're managing all of your statistics but then you're also managing all of your cyber implants yes so you're juggling a lot of plates in this game and this is you know this game came out in 94 this is almost at the stage of the game where things were getting so complex that i think you you started to get a step back this was almost like this was 
part of that late adventure game sequence where things were just really going off the rails in terms of complexity and nobody was buying these games anymore because they they couldn't afford to put the amount of time in to master all of these systems um actually the uh the cybernetics part even after reading the documentation, I wasn't exactly sure how to measure the effectiveness of all the different implants that you had, other than you just stick them in there and see see what happens. Um, we should also talk about the weird cyber environment that you go into. Cyberspace, um, yes. Yeah, Aaron, explain that. Well, you know, if you're a fan of the uh, uh, William Gibson books of the day, uh, this was sort of, the, this game, obviously, they heavily influenced this game. This guy, whoever put this together probably uh, was a big White Wolf fan uh, from the Vampire RPG and was probably a big William Gibson fan. And uh, and that's where they came up with the idea, I'm guessing. Uh, the cyberspace in this is, I mean, listen, there's no way to put to make make it gentle. It, it looks dumb and bizarre. It's like someone... <laughs> Remember the Lawnmower Man movie? It's like someone took a lo- real low-rent version <laughs> of the opening, the old Twilight Zone or Lawnmower Man, and, just, and said, okay, here we go. The premise of it, you know, just about, let's back up a step before we get to this. When you, of course, your guy is a cybernetic vampire. Okay, so that's how in this world hacking is performed in cyberspace, much like neuromancer. And so, a lot of the things you have to, uh, are uh, obtaining are to advance your, uh, your basically your cyber deck, uh, inc- including like right in the very first room. I think it was memory or something you get for your deck, uh, and and so you're also obtaining. Uh, uh, in fact, I think the, the bad guy, one of his main goals is to obtain this ultra uh, piece of software that will give him basically free reign over the over that area. So it's sort of important to the game. And I think what I understand they were trying to do make it like an abstract area, sort of like that you would imagine in like a William Gibson novel. But what you ended up getting was just a, 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 a ugly, weird-looking, hard-to-navigate mess. I mean, really, what well, yeah. what it effectively is is just it's just another set of areas from the game that is real abstract and tough to navigate. But I mean, that's all it really is. You know, it's it's funny because all of the backgrounds in this game are definitely of their time period. I it, I don't even know how to explain them fully, other than they just remind me of, um, you know, like. They're not pre-rendered. It's not like they were photorealistic, but they're they're ultra ultra high detail, which contrasts with your ultra ultra low detail character sprites. There's a real disjoint between the detail in the characters that are moving around the game and the background the background screens. Everything is way out of scale. Like the the chairs and the the desks and everything in this game are giant in the background. And then your guy is just this little like three foot guy that's that's ambling about. It almost reminds me, Brent, do you remember the chala the uh the, the chat app palace? Absolutely remember Palace. That yeah. th- th- a lot of these backgrounds remind me of something that would be come out of that app where you have these little smiley faces and they're just sort of floating around in the in these different areas. Yeah, I, I can see that. It definitely. I mean, the background guys did not go for scale at all. Uh, they they just said, "All right, here's your environment," and the environments look nice. Yeah, they look impressive. Uh, I but I agree, uh, especially in the Amiga version, the scaling for your character is way off. Unless you were like two foot seven, uh, <laughs> you, the scaling's way 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 yeah. off. Uh, I want to mention something with the cyberspace thing. Uh, one, I think I think they did really well is when you're jacked into cyberspace, 
it feels completely different than walking around in the real world. I mean, you, there's no physics. You're just kind of floaty, and, and the way you move through. So I think in the way of making one area feel completely different from the other area, that they nailed. Because there is no comparison between the two in movement or in visuals. Well, so they did nail something. I mean, I mean. Well, no, I... I I think uh, uh, that part, they did the best they could and made it very, very different. And I, I do salute well, them Well, I think that. they tried to make it stylized, but they sucked. Um, no, no, I think that's harsh. Let's, let's, I think you're let's, being overly Let's take harsh. a few steps back here because we skipped a bunch of important stuff. Uh, one of the neat things about this game in the style of Ultima is the way you roll up your Ransom Stark. Now, you're always playing Ransom. Uh, that's the main character, but you they have a character generation system in this that is ethically based uh, in a lot of ways. Yeah, uh, It's unusual. The first time I ever saw it was in one of the uh, earlier Ultimas that had a character creation system like this where they asked you a series of questions and they base your t- statistics around these interesting questions. This will extend the intro quite a bit just because this this is no slow thing either. Did either one of you guys take the time to make a, a new character and, and not use the quick uh, generation? Well, you can just plug in numbers, right. and that that even that is daunting because there's a thousand million different stats. Did you did you, did you try to generate a character with the uh, questions? Oh yeah, because for me it was easier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what about you, Boat? I you know I I looked at it and then I just said you know what it's not it's not worth the time because I knew. That no matter, like whenever I have to, this is my problem with a ton of these games, um, is that whenever I have the option to roll my own character, I always have in the back of my mind, am I awful at this because I'm awful at it, or am I awful at it because I rolled my character incorrectly? So I just went with the default. I, I do like the I, I, I do like the character. I've always liked that. The, and one thing that you didn't get, and I'm going to give Lord British credit for this, because I'm pretty sure he this was his baby, and this, and uh, the Bloodnet people sort of grifted it. I'm sure a lot of other games did it too. But Lord British wanted there to be ethical questions and consequences in his game. Now, uh, mm. I will say Bloodnet, as far as I got into it, I didn't see uh, the ethical stuff come into play so much. Of course, it just, they use it to generate your character and its statistics. But I still think it's neat. It's a neat element to, to add to a game. And Bloodnet being sort of this crazy... Uh, this game is sort of like a Swiss Army knife, uh, a cheap one. It's got all these crazy things like smashed into it. So I'm not I, when they put that in too. It didn't surprise me that much. I thought uh, it amused me. Uh, one thing we should mention is uh, let's talk about the interface a little bit, which is uh, it's an interesting interface. You uh, you use your mouse uh, and there's a toolbar that will appear at the top of the screen, and inside the toolbar are boxes, and inside the boxes. Are, they're pictures, basically, and inside. once you go on a picture, you'll get your choices of what you could do, including examining and picking up and putting down, all the stuff you would normally expect to see. Uh, how did you guys uh, get along with that interface? It's confusing as heck. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's the ultimate example of why you should just use text instead of pictures. You know, they, again, you know, we always talk about, uh, I don't, Obviously, you know, this this game was released in other languages and stuff, but there's so much text in the story of this game that they should have just made the whole interface text. 
instead of making you wonder, well, you know, what does this picture do? And it also takes up an unnecessary amount of screen real estate, too. When you open up those toolbars, in order to make them as detailed as they need to be so you can see what it is, they had to make them take up the top third of the screen. Just a, a, a poorly implemented design. I didn't hate it that bad. I, I think it could have been better. I thought it was pretty self-explanatory. Uh, you know, but I mean, I didn't. It seemed like they added extra steps to looking at stuff. I, I always, I always hate that about games. Menus inside of menus is always a yeah, bad idea. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, we just. I have, I have a real problem with the font in this game. Also, cool guy um, font. I wish that they would have. I, I knew that they were, they were, they were going for the cyber, cyberspace, you know, futuristic font. But a lot of times when they overlay that font on top of that gray and black circuit board background, it's like they're they're making it more difficult for you to just do elementary concepts in the game because you have to spend extra seconds just looking at this thing. It, it makes me mad. I just I really hate the fact that they don't make things easy to read and easy to see. I uh, like I said, you know, it, that none of that stuff bothered me. That this game, I mean, don't get me wrong, it didn't make the game better. But it, that, when you have a lot of those little nagging things, it does add up. Um, so as Ransom goes through this game, they have a unique system to travel all over the city. It's a pretty open world game. That I mean, when I say that, I mean it, you can go pretty much anywhere at the beginning, but you don't know exactly where to go, and so you'll mm-hmm. find clues that will lead you along the way. Now you're going to find out pretty early on that you're going to need help, and so one of the one of the important aspects of this game is basically getting people to help you, hiring people, which you can do at the local bar, and once you do that, you end up adding all these people into your, uh, you know, they become part of the game where you have to manage all their stuff as well. Uh, the hiring process is interesting uh, because this is one of those games where you can be in a fight when you don't want to be lickety-split and in your, and you can sort of be boned pretty quick because the combat in this, Now I'll notice that our chat that Dave Velociraptor said the combat in this game, in his view, was broken and ruins it. Well, a lot of people had that uh, view of the combat in this game because, as Brent alluded to earlier, it's an it's an interesting combat where you sort of set up your combat maneuvers ahead of time. Uh, in a in a it's real bizarre and it's confusing. What did you guys think about the number one? What did you think about the process of getting uh, uh, helpers and and also the managing those helpers and number two what did you think about the combat situation and if both let's start with you well i i like the idea that you're recruiting your 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 group that's that's a good thing in every game and the way that they don't really hold your hand and tell you okay this is where you need to go next you just sort of have to you know stumble into things i thought that was cool um you know, there's an there's an option to set your combat on automatic, yeah, which you should and, use. You know, and I welcome that as well. Um, and so, you know, I didn't really have as much of a problem. I guess if I was really hardcore into Bloodnet, and I would be the first person to tell you that I was not. Um, that you know, if I was trying to really fine tune things, uh, it would it would bother me. But as it was, I was trying to see as much of the game as I could, and so I just set all that stuff. The on automatic, automatic combat stinks. Uh, I, I I didn't find. I mean, it's. It's not like it's going to... I didn't think it was very good, to be honest with you. Mm. Uh, what you Now that you've played this a couple times, and I will say, that this played exactly, to me, the same on the Amiga as it did on the PC, so there wasn't a whole lot of getting used to it again. We just jump right in. Brent, what did you think of the combat and the recruitment and, and keeping track of all the stuff? Well, recruiting your team is actually super interesting because you have like eight people to choose from, and they're all... 
you know, old colleagues, old friends, love they interests. They still want paid. <laughs> uh, you know, they all have their own motivations, too. So uh, you can even make moral choices on that. Like, some guys are just like, yeah, uh, let's go kill things. Uh, kill, kill, fun, let's brutalize good times. Like, if, if that's not what you want on your team, uh, like, morally, you cannot that's take true. that that's guy. That's true. That's a good point. Because that, that is a moral aspect I'd forgotten about. Yeah, so, yeah, that is true. And you have lots of people to choose from, and they're all over the spectrum. Uh, points for that. The problem is they want to tell you their autobiographical story on every click. <laughs> the, the, uh, the recruiting your team is literally an hour-long endeavor if you actually want to learn about all the characters. Uh, and I'm not saying that's bad for, you know, if you're into that kind of thing, and sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not, it's there. It's there in in full text glory. Uh, and then combat in this is, 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 is not good. It's, it's hard. You sit and watch pretty much no matter what you do. Uh, even if you tell people tell the other people what to do it comes down to uh basically dice rolls to see if you hit how much damage you do sure you you equip your team and they uh have the options off of that you know the statistics off of what you equip them with uh it just can be very daunting and that really describes the entire game it's very daunting everything you do every choice you make every location you travel to is just a wall of text, and uh, uh, it has good story, decent story. Uh, if I was going to sit down and play this for real, you know, as in I'm going to play it from beginning to end, I would not choose the Amiga version because I prefer to have the voice acting. Uh, but it's a very daunting game. I will say that this is unique. I don't think that there's I don't think that we've ever played another game quite like this that is really, you know, hardcore role playing game in terms of statistics, in terms of, you know, things like that. The story is very in depth, but then it also has the point and click adventure game type style maneuvering and, you know, visiting various locations and stuff like that. Um, I can't think of another game that's quite like this. I think it's pretty unique in the, the Amiga library. I think it's unique in general. <laughs> I don't think there's ever been another game released with this sort of plot. You know, as I went through this game, uh, and you meet, uh, there's a lot of stuff with different gangs uh, you deal with, and and like Brent mentioned earlier, there's some people you know from before, because Ransom Stark's been around for a while. He was a big deal, then he got hurt, then he sort of phased himself out. So a lot of people know him. Uh, but the, what and and thankfully you can save a lot, which is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you the combat does break. I agree with Dave Velociraptor on that. It really the combat detracts from this game because you can die so easily and so quickly. It's it's I never got a very good grasp of it. Something else I don't like is all the management stuff. Uh, I you know I just I'm not down with. I don't like multi party games that much. There's a few exceptions, but. If I would rather have just went through the whole game with ransom, and you can't really do that, uh, so absolutely, you can't yeah, do and that. and so it, you get it just there's, it seems complex. There's a lot of stuff going on, you know, uh, to, to keep track of, and you know, uh, this may stun you people, but I'm not exactly Mister Management uh, when it comes to that stuff, and so it just that took a lot of the fun away. But there is there's something here. The graphics look good. I mean, this is a when you talk about ports from the PC. 
this you're going to get a game. And now, granted, I would install this on your hard drive immediately. You don't want to swap through twelve discs. But, but oh, with the no, exception yeah. of the voice acting, you're getting pretty much the exact same game the PC got with some better music. Now, not all the music's better, but the opening music is a lot better uh, than what you got on the PC. Uh, so there, <clears throat> it's not like there's a big day. It's just, this isn't like playing Syndicate Boat when we did that, and the difference between the PC version and the Amiga version was like huge. This is the, I mean, yeah. you're right in the same ballpark, so you're getting to play the same basic game. Uh, the I think there's a, if you've got the patience and the ability to learn the combat in this. And you've also got to have the patience to set through. This is going to be one of those games where you play it and really get into it. You know, if you're not buying into it, it's going to get real old real quick. Even the, and some parts are stupid. And some of the, some dealing with some of the characters are there. It's just the characters are idiotic. For, and and some parts are real weird. Like for example, uh, Ransom will have long running conversations with his own implant, which I always thought was strange. Yeah. It's almost like it's mm-hmm. like a little buddy. You know, or like yeah, that's what it is. It is. It's like his yeah, little buddy. And, it's like Mac and me. Yeah, which is and that's never a good thing to be like that. <laughs> uh, but the, like the beginning, the implants. Like, listen, I'm doing everything I can to keep you from becoming a vampire. So at least you sort of know what's going on. But I always thought that was goofy. I, I don't want to talk. I don't want something that lives in me that I have a conversation with. That's that would drive me mad. Sanity loss right there. Uh, but. Uh, I think if you can if you can look past the shortcomings of this, you could probably have a good time. Uh, but uh, uh, I'm not sure how many people will do that, frankly. Um, I have conversations with me all the time, so I don't have a problem with that well, there aspect you go. of it. Um, I looked at the uh, reviews on this one, fellas. Uh, Lemon gives this a 7.38, which is, that's okay. Uh, Amiga Dream... Uh, one of my favorites gave this a 91%. The folks over at Amiga Joker, which, you know, they kill everything. Hey, they gave it a 75. Not bad. Amiga Magazine was not so kind and gave this a 5 out of 10, uh, which I think that's a little harsh. Uh, Amiga Power gave this a 90%. Uh, AUI gave this. And now, this, I can't figure this out. I need to go read this review. AUI gave this a 20%. They killed it. I'm sure one of the common complaints I read about this was the disc swapping, and so I have a feeling that that may be part mm. of that one. Uh, CU Amiga gave this an 88, uh, guys. So I think, where do you guys see this falling on your scales? Oh, I think that this is an A game. Really? I mean, yeah, because, okay, it, you know, it can't stand up to games of this genre from today, like the modern Shadow Run games or something like that. But for its time... It was incredibly unique. There's nothing... I mean, it's complicated, but there's nothing that you can't figure out. It's definitely more... Uh, it's definitely more easy to get into than something like Hired Guns or some garbage oh, like yeah, that. Hired Guns or is a, Captain is a pretty Two, good game. Liberation. All of that nonsense. Like, this is way, way better than all of that. Um, the, the only thing that I really have a problem with is that it is very, very text-heavy. And if you're not accustomed to reading a lot in your video games, then you're not going to like that. There's a there's I like I said there's some other things in here that bother me I mean like overall I think it's a uh, I think it's a slightly above average I like the concepts way above average but I think the dialogue and the presentation of they're above average but the game itself I would say just barely I don't like the hunt and peck looking around I'm not just I'm not real keen on the overall interface I just didn't like it that much and uh, I think cyberspace sucked and I think combat sucked so I would say 
I think Lemon nailed it about. I'd say somewhere in the seventy-three percent. I I could I could uh, I could live with that. Uh, we did have a one brave Discordian who went to work, and it was our buddy who we mentioned earlier, Dave Velociraptor. And he writes a flawed but fascinating game that does manage to grab the cyberpunk and vampire genre in a way that grabbed my interest back when I played it. I don't feel like it was properly balanced and tested, and perhaps it was rushed out. 7 out of 10. So Dave is right there with me. It, Bo, you mentioned uh, Shadowrun uh, a minute ago, and that's definitely the vibe you get from this. It's very Shadowrun-y. Uh, if you've ever played that role-playing game or even any of the video games, I think Shadowrun as a role-playing game was a, a real interesting and fun game. Uh, so uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Which we never got any sort of uh, Amiga release for that, but this is probably as close as you're going to get. Any final thoughts on this, Brent? Uh, I... I- I think that if this was remade today uh, with a more modern interface, uh, I would really enjoy it. The concept is there. I just think there are too much fiddliness, and I think the pacing could be picked up. Keep the If you want to keep the uh, combat kind of XCOM-ish, uh, give me more control and make it a little more forgiving, and I think it would be good to go. As it sets right now, I, I would put this dead middle of the road. I think this is a a 5 out of 10 type of experience. Yeah, it shot, it shot high, it's just, but it's uh, complex and, and interface is a little bit wacky for, for old A. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Your uh, look at Blood Net. An interesting choice for Halloween. And I will say before we move on, Probably the best Halloween game we've ever looked at on this show. Yes, by far, by far. <laughs> because the other ones have been garbage. Bo, do you have any, uh, what do you got here at the end of the show? Um, well, I, I made a mistake earlier. This is actually Halloween Spooktacular number yeah. six. Oh, number six. Holy yeah. smokes. Number six, yeah. So uh, that quick correction. I also want to thank all of our fabulous, fabulous Twitch subscribers. Uh, you guys help keep the lights on for us here. Uh, we got Z9K9, David Zinaz, Negzal, Jigglebox, Christian Russell, Hamo1, Amiga Live, Lamatsa, Zorglub45, Frodo NL, Tom Servo1970, Treyguard82, Still Adolescing, Rushi, MSX, Buck Owens, Great Owl G, ERR4077, Edvin Helland, Wing Chun Wolf, RMC Retro, Hermski, Johnny Renegade, 48K Ram, Mitsuyama, Barkbit, Old B Sturgeon, Uber Scuba Diver, Gary Heather, Brock 101, Memories of a Spectrum Gamer, and Pints and Amiga. Special thank you to Mitsuyama celebrating his seventh month of Twitch subscription today. Outstanding. Today. Well done, Mitz. Gutsy. And now, John, I can tell your voice was uh, breaking down a little bit reading those uh, lists out. I'm going to guess the Amigos song for this week is not going to happen. Well, you would be wrong. Wait one minute. Let me grab my guitar. This one goes out to all me fans out there. I did that with my mind. Yes. Heavy Systems Inc. Bundy Frag Lord. Mark by Land. Olive Hope. 
home ski, join a simulant. Ethan Little, Alan Breeder, Dave Velociraptor, Cowboy Bird. Dinson, Luke Hudson, John Cook on the base road, she Frodo, Sanger, Fake Mage, Jurgen, Mr. Cola, Daniel Williams, Bernard Lucas, Jerry Dennington, Soul Glove Corner Kid Reflection. Simon Latch, Captain Crispy, Kilobytes of Caffeine. Gary Heller, Free Lunch. Kate Fox, Dave Pickford. Cameron Armstrong, Andy Jones. Lobsterminator. Ten Minute Amiga Retro Cast. Bernard Quinn, RMC. Timmy Drew, Simon Rose. Joseph Harrison, Kyle, Ether, Rollahara, Matthew Laramore, Andy Craig, Shonzo, Buck, Bitt, Roland, Buck, Andrew Monks, Joe the Zombie, amazing man thank you that was uh i really i really enjoyed all of that 
I can tell. Every 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 note. That's true rock and roll. That is true rock. They say that rock and roll will never die. That's right. And then it's just been killed. <laughs> Take us to the houseboat. <laughs> All right, guys. We need to talk a little bit about our uh, high score challenges. Absolutely. So uh, right now we have. Uh, I I want I forgot to mention that we had a high score challenge come to conclusion last week. Uh, it was the pinball illusions uh, high score challenge. And uh, I will announce the winner thusly. Um, the winner was with a score of 90 million, almost a billion points, Barkbit, taking it to the house. It's Mitsuyama a tremendous in second score, place. Food. Yeah, all of those scores, outstanding. You and I, once again, towards the bottom of the pack. However, you did. Oh, I'm sorry. I did end up beating you. Um, so now this week, uh, this month, this goes all the way to the 6th of November. So you have one more week to get your score and outrun an infamous port for the Amiga. Horrible boat. Already got, yeah, Sundown has taken first place with $37 million. Uh, Paul, a.k.a. Hermski in second. Mitsuyama in third. I am bringing up the rear on this one. Um, get those high scores in as soon as possible over on the Discord site. We'd love to have you participate on that. Now, we also have an ongoing ZX Spectrum high score challenge. This is on Rampage, one of uh, all three of our favorite. Do you like you like Rampage, don't you, Brent? Oh, Can I, I come out I think yet? he disappeared. I was wondering what happened <laughs> to <it> you. <laughs> what? Uh, what an let's idiot. See here. I, I had to hide, man. Oh, this is actually this just ended today. Rampage, the uh, Frodo NL, who I believe is uh, in charge of the Specky High Score Challenge, he reigns supreme with a score of 103,000, a good score. Uh, D-Man, second, Z9K9, third. Congratulations, guys. We have a new Specky High Score Challenge that closes November 15th at noon GMT. Bruce oh, Lee. Man. Bruce That's Lee. That's our game. Ooh. That's right. That's right. So why don't you tell us what's coming up next week? I believe what we've got here. Let me look it up here. I got it I right here. That yeah. would be a bump and burn Bam. from Brutal Barracuda. That's right. So we want to thank Paul, a.k.a. Hermski, from the Amigos Game Selection Committee for suggesting Bloodnet. We want to thank the committee for voting on that for us for our Halloween Spooktacular. Next week, we're taking a look at the kart racing genre, vastly underrepresented on the Amiga, with bump and burn. Sounds good to me, Boat. Hey, listen, i got to give uh, Hermski credit. You picked the least abusive and painful Halloween game of all time. So congratulations. Yes. Yes. And, uh, of course, I want to thank Brent for stepping in for me when it looked like I was not going to be able to make it. If you guys didn't know already, I was diagnosed with COVID earlier last week. Uh, no good. No good. But uh, I'm powering through, and I, I felt good enough. I wanted to be on for the Halloween Spooktacular. Your, ca your Cal Ripken-like just... streak remains unaffected, Boat, because we yeah, didn't think yeah. you were going to make it. And you're you're tougher than nails, tougher than a $2 steak, as JR would say. So congratulations, and I hope you keep feeling better. I'm glad to see you're on the upturn. Thank you. Thank you. And so we will see you guys next week for another episode of Amigos. Until then, adios. Adios.